We just expressed to God uh, we, that we praise him for the one who paid my debt and saved my life from the dead. That is really that's really God's plan of salvation for all of us is that he would take care of that for us. He's the one who reached down and rescued us. He's the one who saved us from our sin and even saved us from ourselves. And so we praise him. And that's that's what we're talking about as we continue our series in the book of Romans. We're we're praising the one who saved us. And Paul is kind of dissecting God's plan of salvation, his sovereign plan of salvation throughout the ages. And we're in one of the most difficult, difficult passages in Scripture. And that is Romans 9, 10 and 11. There's people who have studied this for a very long time and don't fully understand it. But we can know the shouts of this passage. We can know uh, a clear direction through this passage. And that's what I hope to provide this morning. We're looking at Romans 9, 10 and 11. And Paul's explaining in Romans 9, he's explaining God's past plan of salvation. In Romans uh, 10, he's saying God's present plan of salvation. And, and in Romans 11... God's future plan of salvation, specifically in relationship to Israel, those who he covenanted with, those who he promised. And in in last week, we looked in Romans nine. We've seen that although God offered his plan of salvation to Israel, they rejected it. So you have this picture of a constant rejection of God, a rejection story. This morning, we're going to be looking at God's gospel strategy, how he continued in his faithfulness to draw us to himself and to continue to provide salvation to whosoever believes. Next week, we're going to be looking at God's faithful legacy. That in the end, we will all say he was more than fair, more than loving. Uh, he was good in all he does. And so as we do that, let's look now at Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. It says this, Paul writes, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them being Israel is that they may be saved for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Let's stop there real quickly and summarize where we're at in this in this whole picture. God's big picture of his sovereign plan of salvation. His sovereign plan is this. The gospel. Right now, God's sovereign plan is the gospel. The gospel means good news. It's good news that you don't have to perform. You don't have to have a level of religious performance before God says, "Okay, now you're in. You don't have to be uh, where you're in a church and the church says you've got to do this in order to be one of us to get in. You are part of the gospel and the gospel is God's free gift to you. That it's already been done for you. You, So many people are connected to churches because we think we can be good enough. Or we compare ourselves with others and we go, I'm not as bad as they are, so God owes me something. And, And we're never compared with anyone except Jesus Christ. (gasps) Yeah, you're compared to him. And, And because of that comparison, there's a huge difference between you and Christ. Only Christ could do for you what you can't do for yourself. And that's why in Christ, God took on flesh 
And he lived among us and he lived a perfect life. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on a cross and paid our debt. And he rose from the dead so that we might have eternal life. That's the gospel. And it's God's plan right now. It was founded by God. It was formed in the people of Israel. It was formed through the covenants, through the law, through the prophets. Israel rejected it. They rebelled against God's plan. And and yet it was fulfilled in Christ. God continued to love a people who were rebellious and didn't want him. And if you are here this morning and you basically have pushed off the gospel, you've pushed off Christ. Let me just say, God is not done with you. Thank you for being here. This is a this is a call from the God of the universe that everything you need to be restored to him has been done for you through Christ. It's been fulfilled in Christ and it's motivated by love. It's motivated by love. It was because of God's love. God demonstrated his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, before we loved him back, God, God sent Christ to die for us. Christ died for us. And you know what? Paul was motivated by it. As he understood the gospel, it made him into a man who loved people. That's one thing the gospel should do in all of our lives is it should make us more loving. It transforms our hearts. And Paul was motivated by love. Let's just look at that real quick. In Romans 9, 1, we read it last week. Paul says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What was he saying? He was saying, I long for fellow Jews like me who don't know the gospel. And we aren't saying that he's, you know, doesn't, he's renouncing his faith. But he, he is saying, I'm willing to leverage my life, my physical life, to advance the gospel to the Jew and the Gentile. That's why Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter 1, 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and to the Gentile. And so we're called into this movement of God motivated by love. In, in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, My heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Do you see what he did? He's identified people just like him. And he prayed, he put them before the Lord and said, God, my heart's desire is that these people would come to the understanding and acceptance of everything Jesus has done for them and fulfilled for them. Are you like that? Do you have a heart like that that looks for people and prays for people and loves people that you would want to share the greatest thing God has given to you, the gospel? Because the gospel is motivated by love. And finally, it's offered to everyone. Look at that passage, verse four. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to underline it. Everyone, everyone who believes that's the picture, both Jew and Gentile. So Paul then quotes a passage in Deuteronomy in verses four through seven, which he says, just as Moses gave Israel the law and he said, don't search any further. Don't try to ascend to the, to the heavens or 
go to the deepest parts of the earth to find who is God and what he's trying to teach us or what direction he's showing us. It's right here. It's actually given by God, actually written from his hand and physically given to you through me. That's what Moses said to Israel. Paul kind of reinterprets that and says, we don't need to ascend to heaven. We don't need to have Jesus raised from the dead. He's already done that. Plain and simple. He's right here. The word of Christ is near to us. The gospel is for everyone. Let's pick it up in verse eight. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's just track this, because God is on the move. And because God is on the move, the gospel is on the move. The gospel is meant not only to penetrate our lives and to transform us, but it's meant to move from us to others. But let's just track this. First of all, the movement of the gospel. Paul talks about believing. It's with the heart that one believes and with it's the mouth that one confesses. Let's talk about believing first. What do you believe when you believe the gospel? Well, we talked about it earlier, earlier, we talk about you believe that you cannot save yourself, that sin keeps you from God. Sin is a condition that makes you independent of God, that doesn't want him or want any of his ways in your life. And it also breeds choices that are away from him, particular sins that you want to live your life your own way rather than God's way. But you know what? We're all accountable to God and we can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. That's one of the kind of the freeing things I learned when I understood the gospel for the first time. I just understood I can't save myself. And as as much as I tried and I was a really good boy, I tried to be a there was still a selfishness. And even in my goodness, I was arrogant and I viewed myself better than other people. That's sin. And only Jesus could save me. And so I I believed at that point that I couldn't save myself. Jesus had already done what I needed the most. He's always he already was perfect. He lived a perfect life and he took my penalty before God. He paid the price I couldn't pay. And when I believed that, I simply said, God, thank you for that. I realize I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and from rising from the dead defeating the power of sin and death in my life. I believe that you, I believe in you, in your work that's done. Instead of trying to do these things, I'm trusting in your work already done. Instead of trying to do all these things, I'm going to trust what's already done through you. And you know what? The scriptures give the promise. You will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel is inclusive to everyone. It's available to everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But it's exclusive. It's exclusive that you call on the name of the Lord, right? You don't just call on whatever you want to do. You call on the name of the Lord. 
You know, our world likes the concept of everybody who calls on the God of their choosing will be saved. But you know what? We have to be informed by the scriptures. Otherwise, we're going to form a theology that says this. And I hear it a lot. I'd like to think that God is. And we can think whatever we want to think about what we think God is. But we have to be informed with the truth, truth source. And the believer understands the truth source of the scriptures, the Bible. And so we have a high view of the scriptures. And we believe that the scriptures are true. And the shout of scriptures is that Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And you know, as I look at this, that's, that's, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So there's this believing. And once you believe, then you confess. You just simply say, this is what I believe. Believe in our heart, confess with our mouth. So many people think that religion should be covert, that your faith should be covert. No one should know. You just keep it to yourself. And our world says, a pluralistic world says, just keep it to yourself. Live and let live. Don't share this with anyone. But scripture here is saying, confess it. Share it. Let it. Let the condition of your heart, let your mouth speak the condition of your heart. You know, I found that when you really believe in something, it comes out through your mouth. It can't be contained. When you really are being transformed by something, when you're really convinced of something, it doesn't just stay in your heart. And that's why God has given us art, artistic expression. That's why some of us can really write well, because we express our hearts. That's why some of us can draw or paint well, because we express with our hands. We're called to confess what we believe. To talk about what we believe. We're called into that, not to keep it silent. So the movement moves from our hearts to our mouths. Now let's continue in verse 14. Paul says this. He has some really good questions. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So then faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's track through this because Paul is kind of explaining this movement of the gospel. As we go from confessing and believing, then he kind of goes backwards in reverse. How can they believe if they haven't heard? How will they hear if no one preaches and how will they preach unless they are sent? So if we were to just kind of change that order around, we just go, once you believe and confess, you're sent. There's the sending aspect of the gospel. And you know what? We want to be a church of sending every week when we say you're dismissed or go. (laughs) We're saying, go, you're sent now. You're sent. So many of us like to come, but we don't like to be sent. We just leave. We're called to be sent. And so every week when we call you to be obedient to the gospel, we're calling you now and we're empowering you through the power of the Holy Spirit who is with you, even when you leave this place and the word of God who you take that you take with you because it's in you. You're sent out to go and be and we're called into that. And then after we're sent, what do we do? We speak about it. We preach. There's a preaching element of the gospel. This this picture where we're sent to do what to preach. Now, you may think that me as a professional you know, pastor is the one who's who's 
you know, qualified to do this. But that's not true. If you have the gospel, you're qualified. If you're convinced in the gospel and you can you can confess the gospel, then it's just a matter of transporting you to tell others about the gospel because others can't hear unless you say it. And that's where hearing is the other aspect of the movement of the gospel. So it moves from one life to the next where the next life hears it and the next life believes and confesses it and the next life transfers it. To another life. The gospel is meant to be spread relationally. And we're called into this. This is the movement of Christ to us, in us, and from us to others, and to others to the world. And this involves, as Paul kind of shows us, all our capacities. It's relational and it's interactive. He says, It's with your heart that you believe, and it's with your mouth that you profess. And it's with your feet that you are sent. And it's with your mouth that you preach. And it's with ears that people hear. He's calling all of our faculties into the promotion of the gospel. And if you think about it, that's how it came to me. I had a mother who loved me enough to speak the gospel to me. And I uh, remember in her life and in my father's life, there was a church who spoke the gospel to them. There was a little lady named Edith Tapper who knocked on my dad's door, back door when he was 10 years old. And she came from a a Baptist church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And she shared the gospel with a 10 year old who just lost his dad to cancer in, in death. And he trusted the gospel. See, if that little lady wouldn't have moved her little legs up to his house, Uh, The gospel wouldn't have gone through my family. So I'm here because of the movement of the gospel. And if you trace it and you're honest and you know the gospel and you're convinced of it, it happened in your life too. different people. But the same movement you believed, you confessed, you shared someone. And let me just tell you, this: there's no greater joy than to be used of the Lord in the movement of the gospel so that it doesn't dead end in your life. It moves through your life into someone else. So that you can look back and not with arrogance, but just in honor of God using you to advance something greater than yourself. That's a blessing. And when you do that, you're going to get one of two results with the gospel. And again, the results are up to God. We're in Romans 9, 10, 11. It is God is the one who is saved. You don't save anyone, but you're faithful with the gospel. One can be rejection. And some of you here are are here maybe because someone asked you to be here, wanted you to be here, and you're just here for the ride. And you don't you're not sure of the gospel or you've rejected in the past. Paul, one of the great promoters of the gospel, spent a, a few years of his life rejecting the gospel. So we've all been kind of into this at one point. We're born rejecting the gospel. But as as we come to it, um, we're all accountable to God for how we respond to the gospel. And for those who reject, scriptures are pretty clear. There's condemnation. There's the judgment of God. There's wrath and there's destruction, eternal destruction. How does God feel about that? God is a a God who engages his emotions. So how does he respond to the reality of the rejection of the gospel and the the wrath and judgment of those who reject the gospel? Well, Ezekiel 33, Old Testament of all places, shows us the heart of God 
on those who reject him. He says this in Ezekiel 33:11. He says to Israel through Ezekiel, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back, he says, from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? This is God. This is God showing himself. The last verse of Romans 10 says this. He says, but of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held my hands, held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is the picture in the present of what we have of God right now. Come back. Come back. Come home. Because the one you that I formed, you that I've created, Come back, you broken and wounded by sin, who's angry with life, who's angry with things around you. Come back, come back. You who's focused on yourself and ignoring others around you. You who knows how to love yourself. How's it working for you? Come back, come back. God, the heart of God is is to have people turn back to himself. That's why in second Peter, Peter writes, God's not slow as some consider him slow, but he's patient, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God with the gospel. We don't just have rejection, though, because we have acceptance. And uh, many of us in this room have accepted the gospel. And what we're guaranteed with the gospel is salvation. That those of us who were once under condemnation, Romans 8, 1 says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those of us who once would face the judgment of God are justified by faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And God's not against us. He is for us. And those who once were targeted as the wrath of God now have the righteousness of God as a gift by faith. In Christ and those who have once headed for destruction now are headed towards the glorification. We will thrive eternally, glorifying, reflecting God's greatness in all we do. And Paul brings it right down and summarize the gospel just like this, that in Romans 10, 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Those are the results and the results are up to God. They're not up to us. And and so but we need to be faithful in allowing the gospel to move from God to us and through us to the lives of others. And so through his questions that Paul uh, asks, he puts out what's our response then? What should we do? How do we handle this that some have accepted, some have rejected? What are we to do? Our response to the gospel has three questions. The first one is this. If not you, who? Because the scripture says that the gospel's for everyone. It's for anyone and everyone everywhere. What if not you, who? Everyone who believes is called into the movement of the gospel through our lives. We kind of use a phrase here of uh, you and two. 
And, and we call you to constantly be thinking of others that you already know who don't have the gospel, who you can authentically relate the gospel to in your lives. Now, we've also kind of gone with this whole value is um, you are God's plan A. And I always say this, I always call you into this because you are God's plan. You are God's plan A to advance the gospel into this world. Plan B. Thank you. You get it. There is no plan B. There isn't. Now, we like to think about plan B like, well, maybe Hishma can do a better job. I'm not plan B. Or we kind of go, or we kind of go, what about if, if God came down and just said, I'm here. Look what I've done for you. Everyone come back. He did. He did already in the person of Jesus Christ. So he's already done this. And people have rejected and some have accepted him. So the gospel continues to go out. Matter of fact, I believe, and I'm still convinced with everyone in this room here, you can do a better job of advancing the gospel through the people already in your life than I could. Case in point, when I walk into a barber shop or when I walk into a place where everybody's talking, everyone's having a good time and they go, hey, what do you do, Joe? And I'm a pastor, cricket. Everything changes. Everything changes. And I don't even wear my high priestly robes out of this place after Sunday. I'm just a normal guy. But as soon as I say I'm a pastor, oh, man, sorry, pastor, I said those words, you know. It's like, why are you changing for me? I mean, God's here. He's been here before I was here. So, and and it wouldn't probably be good. It would probably be really awkward if you just said, I've got these two people. Hishma, you come to my workplace. Hello, I'm Joe Hishma. I'm a professional uh, gospel teller. And uh, your boss has told me to present to you the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's happened to him, too. He just doesn't like to talk about it. No, we're called into we're called into this. And God has already placed you in a place with people in your life who, if you were authentic and convinced in the gospel, he would use you. If you're just available, just available People ultimately, when you relate the gospel to them, you don't treat it like a debate and you're not arrogant. I'm in, you're out. I mean, that really works. No, because you're not in because of anything you've done. You're in only because of what God has done. And he wants to offer that to everyone. And so as you do that, if not you, who's going to do that? Secondly, if not now, when? If not now, when? Look at look at that. Paul, uh, Paul writes, God has stood with open arms all day long. Come on. Come on back. This is the heart of God with the gospel. If not now, when? I find that it's really tempting, even in my life, to wait for tomorrow before I'm obedient to God. So um, if you're in high school, you're waiting to graduate. And when you're in college, you're waiting for your degree. And once you get your degree, you're waiting for your job. And once you get your job, then you're waiting for that you know, special someone. You're looking for marriage and then marriage. And then you're waiting for kids. And when kids come, you're waiting for life without kids. And then life without kids is life 
with college, trying to get them through college. And then when they get through college, then you're trying to look for your 201, that you want to be a 401. And then when you get into retirement, you're just waiting for the next doctor appointment. We got to be careful, folks, that we're just not leveraging and ignoring today as we're always waiting for tomorrow because time ticks by right now. God is here with arms open. We're not guaranteed that tomorrow. He could return. So we are the generation that needs to understand and live in the imminency of the return of Christ with the gospel. We need to be obedient now. And by the way, I've just learned this. My heart doesn't get softer for the gospel if I put it off till tomorrow. It gets more hardened in my ways. And I am just if I don't if I leverage tomorrow and, and ignore today, I turn into, and I, I'm sorry, I turn into an angry old man in time. Little things bother me. People bother me. And I want to isolate my life so that I have a little community where everyone looks like me and acts like me and doesn't take me off. And that's not a softening for the gospel. That's gospel containment. It's a selfish gospel. But a loving gospel moves through me into others' lives. So if not now, when? We've got to take responsibility now. And finally, if not here, where? You know, engage where you are. This stage of life, the geographical location you are in. If you have been blessed by the gospel, and if you are breathing, you have a heartbeat, and you live in Topeka, this is who we're talking to. Anyone who's already believed, we're asking you to respond to the gospel. If not here, where? I talk to a lot of people who don't like to live in Topeka. And they go, oh, well, you know, when we lived in Dallas or when we lived out east and we all have an educational system. And then we, and we all do that and we throw stones at the present place. We don't make friends here. We're thinking, oh, but when I get, when I move out of this and, and, and besides, did you see it? The protesters, oh, in Topeka, you know, nationally known for being a bad place. And we freak out by this and we ignore here. You're the God of the universe who is, think about this. He's placed representatives. He's placed people who he's transformed, who he's loved. He's given the gospel and he's placed them here. We can't put a geographical limit on the gospel. He's called all of us. If I would have said no to Topeka 10 years ago, I would have lost out because I believe God wanted something for Topeka through Fellowship Bible Church. I believe that if it wasn't me, he was going to use someone else and I would have missed out. I would have missed out. And by the way, this has been a place, a great place for me and my family to live. And we've gotten over ourselves and we've looked at it with a new picture of we're not here just to be comfortable. We're here to represent Christ. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing then to live in our country. It's a blessing to live in Kansas. And it's a blessing to live in Topeka. Because God is working. He's working wherever we're available. And that's the picture. The gospel is for everywhere. So as we look about engaging the gospel and letting it go through our lives, I've just found three things that I think are important. And this comes to you for no extra charge. 
And it comes just in the picture of um, how do we become more available with the gospel in our own personal lives? Because that's what we want to do. We want to equip you to advance the gospel through your life. That really won't happen. Availability won't happen. You're going to struggle sharing the gospel until three things happen in your life. Number one, you're convinced about the gospel. If you're not convinced about the gospel, it will. You know, if you're not convinced the gospel's for everyone, you won't share it with anyone. That's what it comes down to. If you're not convinced in your own life, you won't want to transfer it to someone else's. And why should you really? Really, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Because you, you were not called to be inauthentic. And we're not trying to build a church role here. We're not trying to increase numbers at a church. We're, we're all about the transforming power of the gospel through our lives. We need to be convinced about it. Secondly, we need to be confident in it. In other words, we need to know what the gospel is. What is this good news? It's fascinating. I just wonder what kind of results we would get if we just had reporters out there going, hey, what did you hear about the gospel? What's the gospel? Ask Joe, many of you would just say, okay? We've got to be familiar enough with the gospel of what it is. What do we believe in? What do we confess? And it's a small statement. It's a small thing. It's not big. It's not you got to go to these 15 years of catechism classes to know the gospel. The gospel, I understood the gospel at five years of age. And I realized at that time I couldn't save myself. Only Jesus could. And I stopped trying. It wasn't a long history of rebellion. I just realized at an early age, Jesus is the only one who could save little Joey Hishma. And I trusted in his work. That's the gospel. That's about who do you have faith in? Who are you trusting in? Not only to save you, but to lead your life. If you confess... That Jesus is the Lord. You'll be saved. That's the whole picture. We need to be confident. In, and thirdly, we need to love with it. We need to be compassionate. And I've seen people who are convinced in the gospel and confident in it who didn't love people. And that turns into a debate. And then it's I'm better than you. My religion's better than yours. And the New Testament church never preached the gospel like that. They loved people and they served people and they did it in the name of Jesus because Jesus transformed their hearts. And they didn't just serve with their hands. They confessed it. They spoke with their mouths and they were authentic with the gospel. When I am convinced in it, when I'm confident in it, and when I'm compassionately committed to people around me, the gospel moves through me. Trust me, if you focused on these things, three things and you were just available to whoever, wherever, whenever, the gospel's going to advance through you. It can't help it because God always works through available people. If you're hurried through life, you won't be compassionate for people. People will get in your way. You'll want to pass them and weave through them on the road. If you are compassionate, you will take time for people. Because people are more important. And so as we look at this, I want to call you into we're, we're always focused in partnering with our congregation, our leadership, with everyone here, partnering together to advance the gospel. I never want to call you into something that I didn't think you had the capacity to do. So we've always called you into that concept of you and two. 
There's two people in your life who need the gospel. You already know them. Don't have to stand on a street corner or go door to door to find them. They're already there. And you just need to pray for them. Just as Paul said, having a heart's desire and prayer to God for them that they may be saved. That's what you do. You identify them and you just pray. God, give me an opportunity to authentically share the gospel with you. And when you share the gospel, if they go, nope, not interested, you still love them. You don't go five-year-old on them and go, well, you're not going to be my friend anymore. You know, you don't do that. You continue to love. Because there's going to be people who don't believe what you do. Does that mean you don't believe what you believe anymore? No, you still love them. You still have friendships with them. Some of us are here because people preach the gospel to us for years before it made sense to us. For God opened our eyes to grab it. So we're not going to give up with the gospel. We're going to continue loving people with the gospel, no matter whether they accept it or reject it. We're not going to be obnoxious with it, but we're going to be authentic with it. And we call people to do that. Actually, you know, when we were at our previous location, we said you and two. We wanted to build a building that could hold us and two of our friends. And therefore, we built this building and we reached you in two. And we've had to double our church um, services, the number of services that we've had to accommodate you and two, because we believe this is how we're growing. We're growing because you're sharing the good news with your friends and you're inviting them to come and hear the gospel, not only through your life, but through a spoken word like this and being called to the gospel to take the gospel away away from this place. You know, as we look at Easter, Easter is coming up April 7th and 8th, that weekend. And we looked at the trends of what Easter attendance will look like for us this year. Easter is a very focused time. It's one of the easiest times to invite someone to go to church with you. It's even easier than than Christmas Eve when we have big numbers on those nights, too. Just because people kind of expect this. What's the Easter story? I'd like to at least hear it. And we unapologetically present the gospel on Easter. And we call you to invite your friends. This year, we're expecting over 3,000 people for Easter. Just looking at the numbers from the last three years. And again, I'm not focused on just numbers. I'm focused on people because the gospel's for everyone. For us to hold Easter at this location, we would need between seven and eight services. And our elders really looked through that. We wanted to think and pray through this and what God would have us. And the values that the elders have always kept have been this. We always want an open seat for someone. Always an open seat for our friends. And as we have open seats, we need, let's, let's see, who else needs to hear this? Who else around me needs to hear this? We'll make, a, we'll make space for that. And on Christmas Eve, one of our service, a popular service times, we sent away 150 people on one of those services. And our elders never want to do that again. We never want to send away people who want to come to church. So we've decided this year to hold two large Easter services at TPAC on the weekend of Easter. One on Saturday evening at 5 and one on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. is the easiest time to go to church on a Sunday morning. You don't necessarily have to wake up early and you, you have things in the afternoon. So we have two Easter services this year at the Topeka Performing Arts Center. And that will allow us to continue with this value of you and two. 
I've had to personally uh, give a little pushback internally because I love this location. This is a, a, a great place to worship and I am comfortable preaching in this room and it's going to be a much different environment there. But I still can't go back to the picture of the Gospels for everyone. And we're a church that for some reason our congregation is responding to the call of the gospel. And I never want to be a leader who limits the gospel. I never want to hold a tradition or a building as more important than the church being the church. And so we want to call you into We want you to start calling and praying, thinking through, just like Paul opened up uh, Romans 10, your heart's desire and your prayer is for two people that they might be saved. And think about inviting them to us, uh, with us on Easter. And then just following it up. Because here's where the gospel's related through your life. And here's what all makes sense. When you go, what did you think of that? What did you think of what you just heard? And then you begin the conversation. And I've found when I ask, what did you think about that? They end up sharing and I can just talk with them and share what's happening in my life. And if they want to, they can respond by faith and confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord in their lives. But if they say no, I'm still, who, who loses on that one? No one. No one loses on that. The gospel goes forward. You, you are open and available to the gospel. Let's be a church that's not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God unto salvation who all, to all who believe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that the power of God unto salvation is the gospel, is the work of Christ for our lives. It is to the Jew and to the Gentile. And we thank you for loving us to give us the gospel. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.